Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Watch Time, your weekly download on everything internet, pop culture. Today, I am excited for this episode. Guys, there has been some juicy stuff happening this week and I am so excited to unpack it. Podcast drama. Drama. And it's the call her daddy drama, which you may or may not have seen um, sort of taking over the internet today. And this I think is just literally the perfect story to come out after the podcast topic that we were speaking about last week, which was all about exposure contracts and, negotiations and that sort of thing because this is all of that in real life and the candid like the I don't know what the word is but but the honesty that has come out around this story is so crazy I think it's something you very rarely get to see the inner workings of and it just so happens that shit has hit the fan so much that People are giving details that you would never usually get to see. So I'm so excited to break this down. Elliot, and I'm now obsessed with the CEO of Barstool Esports or just Barstool in general. Like, Barstool Sports. Barstool Sports. Not they have sports. Barstool Esports now though. They did make that division, I'm pretty sure. But oh, okay, long story okay. short, I, I, lo- I, I love him. I'm sure, I'm sure he's done some horrible controversial things. He definitely seems like that guy. But man, I could listen to him talk for like six hours about oh. anything. He's fantastic. And- this is the kind of situation where it's like, you know, if you're part of it, this is probably an absolute shit show and you're hating it and can't wait for it to be over. But if you're not part of it and you don't have to deal with the stress of actually going through this contract stuff, it's pretty Beautiful. fascinating. It's actually fascinating. So I'm going to break it down. And basically there's another podcast that you can go listen to after this, but we're going to give you all the TLDR that you need to know. The TLDR with the T. (laughs) So basically Call Her Daddy is a wildly popular podcast. It's one of the most popular podcasts in the world. It's the most female, it's the most popular female podcast in the world. And basically Call Her Daddy is a podcast by two girls that live in New York. It's a sex and relationships podcast. And it was picked up by Barstool Sports after they had only done three episodes. So they did three episodes um, independently, not with any support. Um, Dave Portnoy, who is the president of Barstool Sports, which is a massive media conglomerate now, I think they're valued at like $450 million or something. They have a huge podcasting business, picked it up and were basically like, hey girls, we love the premise of your podcast. Come put it under the Barstool banner. We will blow it up through our sales and marketing machine and we will pay you guys a salary. So these girls previously were doing this on the side. They were then able to quit their jobs and go work for Barstool as employees and do their podcast for which they would also get bonuses if the podcast episodes performed particularly well. 
they joined Barstool and the podcast, I think, probably blew up beyond anyone's expectation of how big it could get. It was colossal in growth. And about a year in, they wanted to renegotiate the contracts. I think the, the their boss, Dave, was like, fair enough. Yep, it's completely overperforming. And if you're a boss and someone is bringing you in that much value, generally you don't have an issue renegotiating because it's doing well. And if, and if they're doing well, you're doing well, it's a win-win for everyone. And, and the podcast was bringing in so much value that it was 100% worth it. Then things started to get a little sour. Um, so when Barstool acquired the podcast, they also acquired the IP, the intellectual property, which basically means they own Call Her Daddy. It's not possible for the girls to go and use the name Call Her Daddy to go and do anything else, whether that's selling merch, doing individual sponsorships, creating a tour, um, selling alcohol, which turned out to be a which, crux of the issue. Which, to be fair, is a small break, is in my opinion, fair enough to ask for enough. when you're going to partner with someone to build a brand. I mean, sure, you could have structured it in a way where it's a percentage either way. That would be the one point I could have made. But otherwise, like, what's the value in you investing in a brand yeah. that currently is worth nothing, trying to build it into something over three years if at the end of that three years, you don't have it? So, yeah. Anyway, shoot. Totally. So this all starts to come to a head a couple months ago and the girls are clearly unhappy in their contract. They start sort of leaving hints in their podcast episodes that they're not happy or that they're, um, you know, like starting a hashtag like free the fathers or whatever, like they need to be released from something that's like completely um, restrictive. And basically they go to their boss and ask for a million dollars each minimum guarantee for the next year. They ask for 50-50 on all sales associated with um, the podcast or the Call Her Daddy brand, where previously they were probably getting somewhere between like 7 and 10%. And they ask for the IP back. They want to own it. And they don't want to be employees anymore. They want to be individual contractors. This is a pretty hefty list of demands by anyone's standards, I think. And basically this pissed off Dave so much that he was like, go, go away. away. No, yeah. absolutely not. Like, no. It got to the point that they were going to be that difficult that they were going to stop recording the podcast. And as of now, they haven't recorded a podcast since the start of April, I believe. And Which is dumb. Basically... Which is not a good move. So now they're also in breach of their employee contracts with Barstool. Um, and it has sort of been leaked across the internet, different articles. They leaked their own employee contracts, allegedly, that said that they were being paid $75,000 a year, USD, plus $2,500 per episode that was, um, you know, an increase in their average viewership, which... You know, that's that's not a bad salary for someone that was working a part-time job a year before. But to be fair, if you can do basic maths, you know the podcast was bringing in way more than that. And, and personally, I think if they were making that much, they would have been within their right to renegotiate. Dave then released the actual numbers that they'd been paid, which were in the realm of half a million dollars each, which is pretty crazy for that's your first yeah. year. Your first year, that's a that's a lot of money. That's a lot. But I think what we want to get into now is 
yeah, the thoughts on that. The additional tea is the fact that one of the host's boyfriends was apparently really being a major player behind the scenes here. And basically what was actually happening was they were shopping around the podcast. So they would have been going to other networks, seeing if they could get a better deal. Um, a po- uh, trying, to, trying to shop around a podcast that legally speaking on paper, they don't own. Like they signed the yeah. IP. That's like that's like you, one of you having a really nice car and me being like, oh, that's a sick Ferrari you've got there, Dave. I'm going to go and take that out and try and sell it. And it's like, wait, yeah. what? you don't, I, that's not your, you, you can't sell that. That's mine. That's so, essentially what they were doing. Exactly. Which is, which is really bad faith for one. They could have gone to another network and perhaps started another podcast um, under a different name. They wouldn't be able to name it, call her daddy. But- um, I, they're I also it. in employment contracts for three years, so it's yeah. it's. Yeah. And there would be non-competes in there. They couldn't they couldn't go for and sure. do do a, a podcast that's the same style without running into some serious problems. Absolutely not. And to sort of muddy the waters further, um, one of the host's boyfriends is an executive at HBO, and he was allegedly the one pulling strings and shopping it around, effectively acting as a manager to the point that he was able to procure a deal from Wondery, which is another big podcast network. This comes with its own issues that I am very excited to get into later. But basically, Elliot, what was your take on the podcast? I mean, look, number one, I absolutely love the CEO of Barstool. Like he, like his, his episode where he's just like, Look, I'm going to lay out the facts. Like, people have called me an arsehole quite a bit, but they've never called me a liar. This is what happened. And he basically just, he just flat puts it out there. And honestly, like, he, he comes across as someone who, yeah, it, I think what he said was the facts. I very much believe him. Uh, I, do I think that, you know, that I, I can understand why there's things, why there's stress on both sides. But ultimately, I don't think Barstool is in the wrong at all. I think that they found some people who they thought had potential. There's no way you can find the most talented person in the world and you can be like, obviously you have potential. You can never predict a blow up to the scale that, you know, it sounds like these girls have had. Once again, didn't actually follow them, but now I'm catching up on it all. I'm loving it. And I think that it's something you see all the time in uh in kind of like those those talent relate like the, these kind of contracts right where mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like a project that you might be trying to do solo but you've realized that if you partner with a company you can accelerate it you find a company company takes a pitch on you and it goes one of two ways a lot of the time and i feel like both ways someone's normally at least a little bit unhappy either a it underperforms in which case the company is now paying you and the talent's like great i've got this thing that didn't actually end up working out but now i've got a guaranteed salary or it ends up blowing up in which case it makes huge money but now uh but but now the talent's like oh man now i'm having to sign off 50 percent of my revenue to this company and like that's a big yeah exactly it's literally like you betting on the horses and then you win the bet and the bookie's like wait oh but i no i actually i don't want to pay you out you know it's like you took a gamble sometimes the gamble pays off sometimes it doesn't when you win you take your wins when you lose you take your losers it is a gamble that's a good analogy but i think that um where it gets like even more toxic and where i really think especially when you hear this story play out the only thing that will send a relationship like that south 
faster than the revenue being really high and the base contract amount being low. And it does sound like Barstool was getting pretty good off this, which they are more than entitled to do after taking that bet. Um, they and, did. They yeah, estimated yeah. that the podcast was making $100,000 per episode. So in, they're in probably- ad revenue. So that's $5 million a year, and that's not even including where the majority of their revenue would come from would be probably like merch sales. They're starting an alcohol brand. So let's like ballpark $10 million a year, and they were paying like a million to the girls for actually being the talent on it, right? Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, though, there's a lot of TV shows out there, a lot of things that make huge amounts of money where the faces of that show make a fraction of that thing's total revenue. That's not... Mm-hmm totally out there but anyway long story short what i was going to say was where that relationship will go south so much faster is when you have two people or when you have a group of people who are in that talent side of the business because normally you'll be like you could be in a situation where you're like okay like this isn't like totally ideal i guess like this could be better that could be better but when you have like multiple people in that position like people will start being like oh yeah, what about that? And then that person will be like, yeah, actually you're right. And then be like, oh, I'm so glad I think you think I'm right because I was thinking that too. And then like it creates this feedback loop and this feedback loop and it keeps going back and back and back and back and back. And it just builds up and up and up and up and up. Even though to a point, some of the concerns could have been justified. But I feel like when you get that collective group kind of, you know, it's like a lot yeah. of the time when like everyone does it with their friends. I do it with my friends. You guys probably do it with your friends where you just start bitching on a topic. And half the time you totally. reach the end of the conversation, you're like, all right, we might've like got a bit carried away here. Like, you know, like yeah. people who eat cannelloni are not literally the devil, but look, I just think they're weird. You know, like it's, you, you can, you can like, you'll, Dude, you'll you're build so stuff. Right. Yeah. You'll build stuff out of proportion so fast. And it, literally from this story, because essentially where it ended up going with the back and forth, Board, uh, which Grace didn't quite get to mention, but was the Barstool guys came back with this um, like a very bloody generous offer for the girls. They're so like, look, we're literally yeah. going to give you all this money. We're going to give you a much higher percentage. We're going to give you the IP back when the contract is ended. And we're going to knock six months off the contract. So it ends in a year, right? Literally like, like the dream. Stupid good deal. It was like, it was like you, like if you you couldn't pay the greatest negotiator in the world to give you that. But just because of the pressure of COVID and them wanting to get the revenue stream going, they did it. Anyway, the girls came back and said no, which is just so clearly an instance of where like the relationship is soured and one person is just so stubbornly like, no, we can't do it. We can't do it. We can't work with these guys. They're not thinking with rational business brains anymore. They're thinking purely emotionally. And yeah, yeah, and, and this is where... Because what I was think- also going to sue them. Barstool yeah. was going to sue them. If they if they did really try to shop the podcast out, Barstool, Barstool would sue, which they're very much entitled to. And it got to the point where Alexandra, one of the hosts, was like, probably had this kind of light bulb moment where she was like, hang on, hang on. This is where it gets so funny for me. more money than I've ever made in my entire life. I don't get sued and I get my podcast back in literally one year. That's not a long time. Yeah. So and that is a bloody good deal. And she's the one who wasn't dating the exec. So she didn't have like, she, she, she was just like, actually, yeah, she, she didn't have that voice in her ear. So she ended up going back to Barstool being like, look, the other girl is like not being reasonable. She's not going to go back. I'm willing to kick it off again 
like as a solo deal. And then Barstool was like, cool, we'll give you 75% of the IP. We'll keep 25, done deal. And then as soon as the other girl realized, oh crap, this like, they have the IP. They've got one of the girls. This is going to go without me and I'm going to be left in the dust with literally nothing. She was like, wait a second. Actually, I'm cool. I'll come back. And the other girl was like, no, I'm actually, I'm good with 75% now, you know? Like, I'm, I, I'm good. Like, that offer's on the table. Like, I'm going to yeah. keep 75. And now, like, now... Their relationship is totally messed Now up. the girl's relationship is totally messed up. The one who got offered 75 now wants to keep 75. The one that got, that wanted to, like, completely just screw the whole thing over is now left being like, oh my God, what do I do? Long story short, it's just... A total shit show. It's total. It's a total shit show. And I think that, uh, you know, as much as I still want to talk more about this, just to quickly skip to what I will say is the moral of the story. Don't play a game of contract chicken with a company that's worth half a billion dollars and a CEO who's worth a hundred million dollars. Because yeah. ultimately, like, think, if, imagine if a year ago you were working like just casual jobs, you know, getting like 50 grand a year, like, you know, 15 bucks an hour. All of a sudden you're making... $500,000 a year. You've got a contract on the table for a million dollars a year. You've got so much potential upside coming your way. And then, but, but then you're like, oh, no, no, no. It's okay. We can get more if we just play chicken. Like, no, what are you doing? This is already fantastic. Like, yeah. Also, don't tease the public with little tidbits of information oh. if you're not prepared for the whole thing to go public. Because, yeah. And, and let me tell you, if you're trying to deal in bad faith with a contract, you don't want that to go public because there are so many people in this situation now that, for lack of a better word, have totally fucked themselves. They've yeah. totally And no one, no one will want to work with you again. It. Even if someone Absolutely looks at you not. and- So now you look at the call her daddy. I just want to break this down for a yeah. second. You look at the Call Her Daddy girls, the two hosts that were integral to the Call Her Daddy brand. I don't think anyone would dispute that. Barstool definitely helped with the podcast. The two girls were essential. They have ruined their relationship to a point that will it be able to recover? I don't know, but it seems pretty fundamental at the yeah. moment. Because as soon as you bring in money, as soon as you bring in that stuff, it, it, if you're not really respectful of the other person, it can get messy quickly. They've ruined their relationship. Barstool has lost their second most popular podcast ever. So they're up shit creek without a paddle. What I want to get into Well, actually, what, is... just quickly though, I don't think Barstool's totally up shit creek because the thing is that that's what makes their play to me so dumb is that Barstool yeah. has options. Barstool isn't like, this is everything to us. We are nothing without this podcast. That's no. the girls' situation. The girls are... Like, the podcast is all their value. Sure, they could go and create spinoffs and that kind of thing that could do a fraction of it, but that's all in. For Barstool, to a point, they can they, they existed before this podcast was with them. They will continue to exist after. And they had so... The girls had so much value, which they knew because they were in such a strong position to renegotiate, although they definitely didn't do it the right way. And now, it's also like, you've ruined that future value You've also ruined anyone in the future's ability to work with you. Like you make it so difficult. How would another podcast network pick you up when it's become so public that that's the way that you've dealt with your past employer? Like it looks bad 
But yeah, no, no company is going to want to enter into a contract with someone who they know not only just like blew off their last contract, pretended like it didn't exist, but also tried to publicly drag that company through the dirt. It's like if I see, if, if we've got like a friend and I see you lend that friend $10 and then be like, and they're like, I'll promise I'll pay you back, Grace. And then they never do. And then they come to me and like, hey, can I borrow $10? And I'm be like, hell no. I know what you did yeah. to Grace. You never paid that money back. Well literally like real life situation like if there was a talent that i wanted to sign to click management and i no matter how talented they are if i saw them shit talking all over twitter or on stream or on the internet i straight up wouldn't sign them it's too risky it doesn't look good what if they did that to a brand that they got a sponsorship with it would ruin it would ruin everyone's reputation and yeah. i think it's just not it's straight up not worth it and i think that is where the president dave came off in a way better light than the girls because you can negotiate hard that's this industry everyone has to negotiate hard at some point yeah. that's not easy but what you can always do is negotiate in good faith you can be honest you can be straight up and the other side might not want to hear it but you can you can do it in a respectful way and yeah. i think what they massively fucked up on was not doing it in a respectful way. Yeah. Now, what I want to know is what is the boyfriend's whole deal in this situation and what's going to happen to him? Because beyond the girls being in a shitty position, he now looks really bad professionally as well. This guy is an executive at HBO he has a full-time job in a global pandemic and he is a leader. And now it's come out that instead of focusing on his own job, he's been shopping around a podcast for his girlfriend. Not only shopping around a podcast for his girlfriend, shopping around – HBO is a content business. They make yeah. content. Bastel Sorts makes content. He's literally shopping around a competitor-owned product – yeah. and IP to other networks, it's so bad. Like, I, this is quite stunning to me in how bad it is. And he's shopping around employees for a competitive company that those employees are in contract. And apparently he was in contact with an agent that, was, that shared a Barstool Sports employment contract with him and that's what they were using to sort of tee it off each other. There is so much of this as well that is so deeply unprofessional and shady. If I was this guy's boss, the boyfriend's boss, I'd be asking serious questions and to be honest, I think he'd be out of there pretty quickly. Yeah. That is bad because what was his play? Then you have to think about what was his play through the situation? Is he being a good boyfriend and just helping out his girlfriend or he's an executive content company? If he was trying to shop it to to Wondery, was Wondery going to open up a new job for him? He was going to become an exec at Wondery and open his own, you know, Part it of also, the business there? I also, was he wanting to become a manager for the Call Her Daddy Girls and take 20% on everything they do? Like, it really doesn't look good. Yeah, I also got the sense that there seemed to be some kind of rivalry between him and Barstool. Like, he didn't like Barstool, mm. from what I got the sense. In which case, it just makes it worse. Because, like, I'm sorry, if you... Like, I get it. If you're someone like, I don't like your boss, right? I'm assuming you're yeah. saying that to his girlfriend. And being like, look, your agreement right now isn't ideal. 
You know what? That's that's to a point. But if you if you take that to a point. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Where you're giving your girlfriend such bad advice against her own self-interests purely because you know it's going to screw over the company that she works for Mm -hmm. that's bad like if that contract came back like the most recent offer some of the offers they got through and he was like no don't sign it like or or was like or was like oh i really stuck my neck out trying to get you this other offer it's like screw you man it's my podcast like i can do what's best for me you've got a stable job where you're an exec at hbo like you know like you your, your career is pretty grounded like for me, I'm going to take the best offer that I can get for what I've got. If you come to me with a bad offer, don't hit me with, oh, I stuck my neck out for you. Cool. You stuck yeah. your neck out. You didn't ma- manage to like match up to the other guys. I'm going with them. Like, and, and I'm sure like there could be more factors at play, but it does sound like an element there very well could have been him being like, I don't like Barstool Esports. Getting her podcast out of Barstool kind of screws them over. I'm going to invest my time in doing that. Very messy, very shady. Messy. The other thing is like, and this is just purely, purely speculative. I don't even know if like I should say it, but the fact that he's a 38-year-old exec at HBO, which is a traditional media company, probably pretty conservative, you know, does he, is it uncomfortable? Apparently it was uncomfortable for him that his girlfriend is a 28-year-old you know, girl that has a wildly popular sex and relationships podcast where the whole premise of the podcast is spilling like pretty candid details about their sexual escapades that they've had past and present. Maybe was he uncomfortable with that and therefore there was some sort of larger play there that, you know, they actually didn't want to do the podcast or Sophia didn't want to do the podcast anymore. And therefore they were trying to figure out a way out of it, which would still get them paid. And I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's so, it's, it's so messy. There are so many convoluted elements to this and I just think it's crazy. And I think it's fascinating because you never get to see this stuff. Yeah. And this this stuff happens. It happens all the time. Like I reckon it would have been very similar situation with the phase T food contract, but not everyone got to hear the juicy details of how that all went down. You probably never will. Yeah. Whereas the fact that this guy, Dave, was so candid and dealt with this in a pretty stunningly head-on fashion. I've never seen anything like it. I love it. I love it. You just like I, I just love when when they just casually drop like little little gem bombs that like I'm so yes. keen to hear about. Where he's like, yeah, we're making like a hundred grand ad revenue an episode. I'm like, 
that's what they make. That's what the big podcasts make, you know? Like, because I'm always yeah. wondering, I see that, I, I see like, you know, the, like all, all those giant podcasts. And I'm like, I'm like, I, I genuinely wonder like what the ad revenue on those is. Because like we, I, I know I know what a big YouTube video makes. I can tell you, I can look at a, at a channel and be like, this is what they're getting per integration. 30 seconds, 60 seconds, full dedicated video. But yep. I have no clue on podcasts. So just like hearing that like teardrop like that, I'm like, oh, that's cool. Okay, that's interesting that's now. That's a lot. And then like that's I'm running, and then I'm running the numbers and I'm like, okay, 54 podcasts a year, 100 grand an episode, 5.4 million a year. They're paying the girls half a million each. That's a million dollars expenditure. Like, yeah, okay. I, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, it was 52 weeks in a year. I don't know why I thought. I definitely didn't think there were 54 because I am definitely smart and but yeah you you definitely like get a feel for it do you know what was also really interesting was how much he kept dropping alcohol throughout it yeah talking about the rights to alcohol they, they don't have an alcohol released right now it's purely speculative apparently they that's, um trademarked it a few months ago that's apparently that barstool, barstool has released another alcohol brand in the past that's apparently just completely blown up so it's really like they're the sorts of insights that you just don't usually get where the fact that they were so adamant on maintaining control of the alcohol part makes Was you it? think that like if they were prepared to give up you know these massive guarantees in terms of cash yeah they still wanted the alcohol what's the value there Dude, like, exactly there, right that was the part that was the part early on where i was like holy shit because he was like he was like yeah like first off we went back with like we came back and we're like you can literally have like all the revenue and the ip and whatever you want we just keep the alcohol and the girls are like hell no i was like god damn that must be making some money because that podcast that? is printing exactly what's in the bed like and also like not only like that must be making money but that is a speculative bet so like even if they're like expecting it to maybe make money the fact that they're willing to give away that much for the ownership of something that has a chance to perform well that in itself is crazy it's fascinating. I'm so keen to hear, uh, like, as soon as this dropped today, I was like, Elliot, we need to talk about this on the podcast because I actually just need to unpack it with someone. But I would love for you guys to, like, tell us in the comments what you think about it. Ask us questions if you have any because, again, like, these are the sorts of issues that come up in this industry. And, you know, I've seen them frequently before. Elliot and I have had experiences with things like this and – rarely do you get to see the candor but i think dave that guy is fascinating i mean i feel like his following count's gonna go up for sure after all this because you just don't see that sort of honesty that much nah. and the fact that he was just willing to like lay it on the table i would i don't think i'd have the balls for it but i mean pretty crazy i've seen his pizza reviews but that's pretty much it dude that nuts yeah Crazy. I'm so fascinated to keep following the story. I mean, two sides to every story. And I guess we've only heard one of them so far, but yeah. Crazy. Well, next topic is more Let's internet. Talk about it. Internet drama is uh, Deji subbutting, which, oh boy, he's gone and done it again. Deji is like, a, <laughs> he's just like, you know, it's like you're watching. Give us the TLDR. All right, TLDR. For those who aren't aware, Deji is someone you might uh, probably know a bit more is KSI's brother. A lot of you, if you know KSI, you probably have heard of Deji. Deji is his uh, younger brother who, look, he's he's kind of a lot of the time like piggybacked a little bit off JJ. But like, you know, he's he's done relatively well off YouTube and financially. Like, I think he's got nine point, uh, well... 
you have to that, hence the subject of the story he's got 9.95 <laughs> uh million subscribers uh mm-hmm. and it, he's he's an interesting one because his content like far out man i just gotta say objectively i look at it i'm like how do you have that many subs you know and and uh, to a point it is largely you don't be- think it's good i think there are more deserving content out there <laughs> and i'm not even talking about my own i'm saying there's a lot of great content out there and anyway long story short uh it, it's become a bit of a meme uh because deji has been like stuck for i swear absolute years like two to three years at this point at nine point nine uh, nine million nine hundred and fifty thousand subscribers he's literally been <laughs> on that point like back and forth oh. by like 10 or 20k consistently for i swear to god two or three years at this point it is actually insane he's been on the cusp of 10 million for so long and every time he'll he'll get a little bit up and go back down again and it's 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 just like the biggest meme on the internet so he's not growing he's not growing he is at an absolute rock solid standstill now he's tried doing a lot of different like controversy things in the past like number one challenging uh when like with the whole um with the whole boxing fight stuff where he challenged not logan paul jake paul yeah to, to have the boxing match then after he got done with that he started all the drama with ksi where he was like ksi's a bad brother he did this and that and that and that and that and it was like you know going in on him because it gets his name in the news and when your name's in the news good yeah. pr- all press is good press you sub your sub count goes up yeah unless you're uh james charles in which case it goes down but then it goes back up again <laughs> um but uh yeah long story short and, and then more recently when coronavirus happened he posted a video basically oh. being like, I got coronavirus. Because he knew that Not the first good. YouTuber to do that was going to get hella traction. But, Dude. like, anyway, long story going short. Going too far for subs. Three or four weeks ago, I think it was, he, um, as Deji always is, is sitting at 9.95 million subscribers. Now, I will say, as a YouTuber, I cannot imagine the mental anguish of being stuck at that number because and i can't speak for all youtubers but i think a lot of youtubers feel this way it's kind of like there are milestones there's 100k on youtube right where you get your first little silver plaque that's when you're Mm -hmm. like all right like i i am like i am a real youtuber now you know like i have i'm making money from this okay then then there's like no hate to youtubers that don't have 100k like i remember when you hit 10k you were so psyched yeah yeah, yeah. but it's like it's like you actually get you get sent something from youtube that's like yeah. okay i'm now like you know that's validation on me mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. there's then there's the next step which is where you get a million subs now you're like all right you know like i'm i'm on the platform like i'm big time now you know like i've, yeah. I've got a million subscribers like Playing people with the big boys i will go to an event and someone will be like oh it's you and you'll be like yeah you know like it's cool that's when you kind of feel like you're in like the big boy level then there is the like okay i've like i've done it you know that it's almost like it's almost like I would describe it as like you know you're playing a game. It's like oh you got thirty percent completion, fifty percent completion. Diamond Plaque is like a hundred percent completion, at least in a lot of YouTubers' minds. Like obviously, yeah. there's a lot of different aspects to it. You want it's not like you're gonna hit Diamond and then just suddenly stop making videos. Of course, you want to keep doing, it. you want to keep growing, you want to keep entertaining, you want to do all that. But in a lot of ways, hitting ten million is a really big like you've made it. You know, like you've done it. Yeah. You've hit, you've hit, you've not only become big, you have become one of the biggest. And you get that diamond plaque. It is a huge, like, achievement. And well, so, you haven't got it yet, so. <laughs> yeah, 
I haven't got it, man. Like, uh, you know, like I can't exactly, I, I can't speak to it. But it's um, like speaking, he's like <laughs> manifesting it into existence. He's like, it will be so Yeah, good. It, it will be so when I get it. But, you know, like I can say for me, right? Like I, yeah. like the, the Fortnite blow up, right? Was like, 30k subs a day, 30k subs a day, 20k subs a day. And then there was a real slowdown for me. And like around the 8 million mark for a while, I'm back up to like about 400,000 subs a month at the moment. But there was a while where I was down at like 30, 40k subs a month. And like yeah. you just, you look at the timeline, you're like, oh my God, like this I'm is like five years, assuming like I'm even relevant in that amount of time until I'm going to be getting near 10 million. Like, I'm never going to do it. Like, it's just not going to happen. And it, you, it, it, it's crushing. Anyway, I can't imagine having that happen. Because for me, I was like, oh my God, like, you know, smashing goals, like 3 million, 4 million, 5 million, 6 million, 7 million, 8. And then it stopped, you know? And it's like, yeah. I, I have them. I, was, I had the momentum. I was on the train. And then it's like, ugh. And you're like, oh, come on, man. I was so close. I cannot imagine the 9,950,000 subscriber version of that for three years. I think I would go insane. Now, what happened about a month ago is... Keep in mind, he's been on that sub count for years. All of a sudden, in the space of five days, day one, ooh, 10,000 subs in a day. Interesting, questionable, whatever. He's at 960,000. Next day, 970. Next day, 980. Next day, 970 again, because people started unsubscribing to try and keep the meme going of him not hitting 10 million. Oh my God. And then 980, 990, 10 million. Now, Immediately after he hit 10 million, uh, the drama about him not having COVID, I think, came out and that it being like a clickbait thing, he immediately went back to 950. Oh my God. Now, obviously, you look at that. A channel that has had zero sub growth uh, for the longest time. No suddenly, increase in viewership. Suddenly gaining 70K in a week. You're like, mm, okay, questionable little bit dodgy things that i would think there i would be like okay did he come out with a viral video did he do something crazy amazing has he changed yeah. up his content something that's suddenly appealing to a new audience but it wasn't the case no no he'd had he'd had no videos go but his yeah. view his daily view count had not moved but his sub count had literally like increased by like a thousand percent overnight so long story short people were like mm, it, look it's dodgy but at the same time Subbotters are really hard to prove. It's almost impossible to prove that someone's subbotted. So, um, yeah, basically everyone was like, okay, he had 10 million. Basically he's fallen, he's fallen back down again, but whatever. That like it is the way it is. Anyway, the other day, uh, one of a guy who runs one of the subbot selling websites came out and basically said, Yeah, Deji bought fifty thousand subs uh from us to get him over 10 million. Now, why did this subbotter come out? Because in the mo and, and admit to one of his own clients, because you think that'd be bad for business. Well, in the most dedgy move ever, like, I don't know, I swear, there's just so many stories of him just being weirdly stingy, man. Like, I, I don't know, I'm not going to go into some of the Simon stories. But anyway, um, <laughs> there's some fucking weird ones about him, like, refusing to call the Uber and making their camera guy do it. <laughs> What? Yeah, I don't want to. Anyway, they're, they're, they're like, I, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to go in that. Um, <laughs> no, but, it, but just like weird. It's like, dude, you're a literal millionaire YouTuber. You're going to make the fucking camera guy call you the Uber? Like, seriously? Um, <laughs> He's at Chipotle. They're like, do you want avocado? It's $2. He's like, nah. <laughs> yeah. But but like, anyway, but basically like trying to get out of expenses wherever he can is, yeah. from my understanding, bit of a classic Deji play. He got the subs. 
got over 10 million, lost the subs, and then he apparently went back and tried to reverse charge all the PayPal transactions to Shut this up. guy who had who had given him all the subs. Shut so up. He tried to reverse charge like two grand of charges. I think he got like a grand and a half back. And the guy what? who did the subbotting was just like, Screw you, man. Dude. And just put the video out there being like, this is the IP, like, this is the, like, location IP address you can see that he ordered the bots from. This is the email associated with it. This is his parents' email. Like, sure, you could make a really big out there argument that he was doxxed, like, his parents' uh, like email address got doxxed, and then that person spent whatever, like, it, like, risked three grand of their own money to buy subs while they were also IP spoofing from the same area that Deji lives in to like in some elaborate huge cover up. But like, I think that that's way too long of a play. I I, I think that realistically, like you that, do that in yeah that, because we were no talking and we were saying. Happened. Yeah, because we, we were talking and we were saying that like one thing that does happen when you get an audience, and I see this because I have access to Elliot and Lennon's emails, um, is that people will think it's funny to sign you up for different things. Like Lennon is signed up for, yeah, like Christian dating services or um, like Farmer Wants a Wife services, like these literally. And a lot of really weird stuff. And people will like sign you up for things because they think it's funny and they can figure out your email address. So I could see a world where maybe people were like, hey, we kind of want to bring some bad attention to Deji or kind of troll him and do this to him. But he, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. here is why I'm 99.9% sure that mm-hmm. Deji did it and it wasn't a sub. Num- number one, yeah, sure. It's one thing to find your favorite YouTuber's email and sign them up for like christiansingles.com, you know? Mm-hmm. That's easy. But it's another thing to find a YouTuber's email, then somehow go on from that, dox their parents' email, and then risk, because it is still a risk. Chargebacks are never a guarantee on PayPal. They, they yeah. are very dicey. You're putting out three grand of your own money to try and set up this whole elaborate subbot scheme and then like there is no guaranteed way that that information is ever going to come out like if you're the scammer you can't predict the guy that owns the website is going to make an exposed video when you try and charge True. it back he might not want the negative press that's the thing if you were trying to well, frame someone i mean it's noticeable when like he's gone from no subs a day to like 20 subs. Yeah, 100 subs. Yeah, yeah, 100 but this was like a month ago and but but they would yeah. know there's no there's no way to really prove that someone did it, right? So it's never going to blow up into a big story. If you want to bring negative attention, you could probably do that in a lot better ways with 3 grand and and if you've successfully docked someone, right? But like mm. but but so so if Deji comes out and says, "Oh, it was a dox." It's like what? You expect us to believe some random kid on the internet doxed you, then doxed your parents, then signed up instead of just using your email, which would logically be a much simpler chain to to give. Instead, give your parents' email and then ID spoof from where you live, and then also yeah, okay, risk okay, three grand. Of the, you know, like it's just it's just it's dumb. If you wanted to, if you wanted to do it, like there are better ways to make someone look bad. He did it, and you know what? Like, I, yes, it is it is bad. And but but I I personally am actually not judging him as like Deji's done a lot of dumb stuff. I can't judge him too hard for it. Would it personally be something I would do? Obviously not. But 
at the same time, I can't imagine the mental anguish of being Ugh. that close to that 10 million, that that goal that is like the peak achievement for so many YouTubers out there and being on that for three years and just being like literally three grand over PayPal and I can just tick it off. I can get it out of my brain. It's done. It's done. Like that would but like- You haven't ticked it off. You haven't. Yeah, I know it's you haven't real. earned it. Exactly, which is why it would be dumb to do it that way. But I, but like, look, I- it is a. It is in many ways a victimless crime. No, I don't think Deji's whole career uh, yeah, should be there ended. There, there are worse things a person can do than bot subs. Like, I, I don't think his career should be ended. <laughs> I do think he's dumb for doing it. I think that he's even dumber for trying to like rip off the guy who he did it through. Like, it's oh it's like. God. Like that, that in itself is just like peak stupidity because it's like, dude, he's obviously gonna want to get revenge on you, and you assume he won't yeah. do it because he doesn't want bad attention. But like, it hits you, you way harder than it hits him, and you don't For know sure. him, and the risk so has isn't Deji, worth it. Has Deji responded? Not as of yet. Really? No, which would make it like uh, you would at least I feel Who else like. Who comment? Has KSI commented on it or anything? No, no. I think Ooh, that okay. yeah, yeah. Kane, Kane to see what happens. Yeah. Damn, it's not good. And ultimately, people that sub bot like this is something that you sometimes see with much smaller channels as well. And usually, there are ways to pick it. You can pick it from a channel that has immediately started growing at a rate that they weren't growing at before without an increase in viewership or a change in their content. If you change your content, maybe you're suddenly appealing to a different group of people that you weren't before that are now subscribing. But if you go on Social Blade or any of those websites, I think you can generally see if people have subbotted. It's it's difficult to really tell the difference. Um, and ultimately i just don't think it really helps it, it doesn't really help you subscribers are important and they're definitely a milestone for creators but they're a vanity metric you're not going to get paid more no. because you have more subscribers and people aren't going to find you more because you have more subscribers definitely not if you're doing it through subbotting and ultimately it, it's it's a vanity metric you're not actually helping your, no. the underlying health of your channel at all They'll usually disappear. People will work it out. It's not, yeah. yeah. I mean, brand, brands it's, it's don't a, even care about subscriber numbers anymore. They care about your viewership. So it's not like you're going to be able to get more from brand deals either. Yeah. It's, a, it's a weird thing to do. I, I, it, it seems dumb. It seems silly. I, I think he did it. No, I don't think his career should be over because he did do it. I just think it's like, it's just a classic. It's just a classic stupid. Deji. It's a classic Deji. Really? Yeah. It's a classic Deji play. What like, other stupid stuff has he done? I feel like I've never really oh, watched his content. We're going to need another podcast episode for that. Okay. <laughs> uh, and this is, right. like, this is like, no, like, I, I don't like hate him or I, I just think he's like, no. it's just like, he's like, it's like you hear Face about something dumb me. and people being like, oh, did Deji do it? And, and you'd be like, yeah. Like if someone, if someone, <laughs> if someone came to me and was like, oh my God, like, you know, Casey Neistat made a fake video about him having Corona. I'd be like, Really? Like, I don't... Nah, no way. That doesn't Seems sound like out a of play. But if someone's like, <laughs> Deji made, like, a video where he lied about having corona, I'd be like... Yeah. I'd be like, yeah. Yeah, that sounds Seems like... Seems believable. I'm like, that's that's on par. You know, that's on brand. Yeah. Dude, for real.
For real. All right. Well, I feel like that's a pretty good spot to leave it. Guys, remember to rate and review if you're listening to the podcast on an audio device. Subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube. And we will see you guys next week. Definitely tell us what you think in the comments below, both about the Deji stuff and the Call Her Daddy stuff, because I'm keen to hear other people's opinions, because yeah. All right. We will see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.